Welcome to the John Corbin Podcast. My name is John Corbin. This is a show of meaningful conversations where I sit down with artists, thinkers, and interesting people to tell stories on the themes of creativity, inspiration, community, and learning together. You can find out more about the podcast at my website, johncorbinmusic.com, and you can find me on social media. My Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram handles are at John Corbin Music. That's J-O-N-C-O-R-B-I-N. That's right, there is no H. Finally, we are Patreon-supported. You can find out more at patreon.com slash John Corbin. Your Patreon support is greatly appreciated. It not only allows the show to keep running, but allows it to reach for higher levels. If you want to provide monthly support, there are no tiers. You can just pay what you choose, and that gives you access to bonus material around the podcast, but also exclusive creative work like new songs, poems, essays, and a whole lot more. It's the John Corbin Podcast. My name is John Corbin. I'm here with my special guest. Who are you? I am Origin, uh, otherwise known as Jordan Haywood. I'm a human being who values compassion, connection, and critical thought. I'm a husband. I'm a deep feeler of emotions. And I am a black man who uses he and him pronouns. Welcome, Origin. It's a pleasure to be here, brother. And Jordan, I will use those simultaneously. <laughs> Go for it. Most people don't get that privilege, but you know me in, in all contexts. Yes. So good. I mean, yeah, man. Origin, who do you hold close? Hmm. Uh, my wife, Amanda. Uh, we, are, we are best friends. I mean, it should be a given, but it's, it's not always. But yeah, <laughs> hold her pretty close. She holds me close. Uh, just my family. I'm pretty close with my parents and my, my older brother and sister. Um, my homeboy, Jeremy Rodney Hall. Uh, I got some friends from, from high school that I've kept in touch with for a lot of years. Um, think of my man, Gerard. I got my homie, Gavin, Nigel, my cousin, some, some guys from church, Dave and MJ. Yo, shout out all my peoples. Um, yeah, I hold close people that I connect with, whether it's on a creative level or a spiritual tip or just people who I can be authentic with and totally let the guard down. People around whom I really feel seen deeply mm. are people who win my heart and my connection. Yeah. That's that's really dope. That's a thoughtful answer. I try. <laughs> Jordan, what inspires you? Um, what inspires me is conversations, man is reflecting on on myself, on things I observe in the world, reflecting on ideas and how I come to know what I know. I don't know. This sounds super abstract, but uh, what inspires me is just, just moving through life and um, finding opportunities to learn and, and unlearn <laughs> when it's healthy yeah. to do that. Uh, at the core, what inspires me is 
seeing people be liberated and and like unburdened from stories about who they're supposed to be. So when I see people just operating in life in a way that you can just tell is like authentic and free and and joyful like that that inspires and excites me. Hmm. And I'm inspired to um live my life moving closer to uh that kind of authenticity and unburdening. So, yeah, that that's a constant theme for me is just liberation of the self and an unburdening of just unhelpful constrictive stories, labels, beliefs. Yeah. That that is inspiring. That that's that's about freedom. Yeah. I think um the the yearning to experience freedom is I mean, I think it's universal and it's something that I I think about a lot and it's funny like as I use my art to to try and invite people into their own experience of of freedom, it always just comes right back to me wanting to experience that more deeply for myself. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. And in that sense, there is this sort of, I don't know what the imagery is, like, um, it just feels, it, to me, like, I, I see waves, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, you're watching people go through this stuff and, and encouraging, and it comes back and sort of washes over you and allows, um, you know, allows some things to be swept away or eroded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, your healing helps their healing and, and vice versa. Hmm. Yeah, we're we're really diving in here, but heck, why not? Like, I I noticed that in a lot of my music, like in my my writing process, I'm thinking about man, like I want to encourage somebody with this song or with this message, and then you know whether I finish the song or not, put it out or record and perform it and whatnot, get a response, and then I realize, wait, did I just did I just do all this because I needed the approval of people? So then it comes back to me like, wait, am I liberated myself or am I just trying to help people feel liberated so that I could feel better? It's, it's just kind of this endless loop of, of kind of examining the self and, and expressing out into the world. Yeah. Like you said, you said examining the self, self-examination. I, I was the word I was going for was second guessing. I don't know if, yeah. Um it's it's the same thing but is that sort of a a process for you or or maybe a rhythm that you get into? Um all the time. <laughs> hmm. All the time. All the time. Uh yeah, I think there is a part of me that just perpetually second guesses um if I have anything important to say. If Right. Um, yeah, if, if my experience resonates with others or if my, my way of showing up in the world as an artist or just as a person is going to like do harm to others, there's always a, a second guessing about, I guess, like the, the value and validity that I bring to the table as a person, as an artist. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that part ever goes away, but I I hold that with me and I, I try and like, you know, embrace and comfort <laughs> that part of me and let them yeah. know, hey, like, 
yeah, like I got your validation right here. Like you, you've got important stuff to say. I'm vibing with this music. I'm vibing with this idea. <laughs> so certainly I, I think second guessing is, is, is a regular rhythm for me. And it gives me opportunities for self-reflection. And it also means like I have to constantly practice a kind of like mindfulness. Mm-hmm. I really like when you talked about providing comfort for this part of you. Mm-hmm. Because I can see it as a I can see it as an aspect that someone might feel shame about or frustration and then sh- and stuff it. Mm-hmm. Right? Be quiet. We're not listening to you. Mm-hmm. Right? And sort of ignore that. But you, you know, and I've been doing a little bit of reading about this as well, but you know, I think that's uh I think that you have this uh mindset or approach that like this is a part of me. I'm going to va- I'm going to validate it that I feel this way mm-hmm. and that it, that because it's a part of me, I'm going to provide it care. That's it. Exactly. I, I found that, I found that approach very impressive because that's not how I grew up. That's not how I, that was not my self-talk mm-hmm. on, on the come up. Yeah. So I'm, I'm growing into that as an adult. Mm. Yeah. You're not alone. Neither was it my <laughs> normal growing up either. Um, I think my experiences of doing therapy, of undergoing training and education to be a therapist, and just having a lot of really safe, like emotionally safe um, spaces for conversation and like processing with people in my life, it's given me opportunities to... um, I guess, view myself in a different light, view those parts of me in a different light. Um, Yeah, I think we really have to experience a kind of safety with others and then with ourselves. Right. To be able to look at, um, for example, like, you know, myself speaking on a platform, claiming to have like authority on a subject that I'm like giving a workshop about or something. And to be able to say, hey, it's okay for me to not know everything. It's okay for me to mm-hmm. not have to present myself as like complete expert, know-it-all. Um, yeah, because I, I feel like that's something that we tend to strive for when others expect it of us, we expect it of ourselves. Um yeah, so so really when it comes to the inner work that I've been doing over the la- over these last few years, it's just been about uh embracing myself as I am, seeing myself as as worthy of love um while being in process, while being human. I don't know That's how real. we got on this tip, bro, but we we in here. <laughs> I was going to say this is indicative of conversations that we have (laughs) yeah maybe not like how are you i'm really hurting inside it doesn't really we we usually get some laughs in but it's definitely indicative of the conversations we have yeah i'm mindful i'm mindful of our audience um in in this regard i mean i don't usually uh make people answer it this way but when you said you know my name's origin and i'm this and this and this 
I think the conversation since then has like provided a window into who you are, but mm. I would love a little bit more details around like what you do. Cause, cause you do some things. I do things sometimes. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm an MC. I'm a rapper, poet, spoken word, artist, songwriter. I've uh, mm-hmm. been doing that for about 10 years. And I am also a registered social worker and psychotherapist. Um, yeah, so I've practiced in that field in a number of different spaces, working with youth, working with families. In particular right now, um, a lot of my work uh, is with African, Caribbean, and Black Canadian families okay. um, in the Halton region in Ontario. So, yeah, providing some kind of specialized, more nuanced, more culturally responsive, um, yeah, clinical care for families who are not only facing issues related to mental health and emotional health, family conflict and things like that, but also uh, racial trauma and yeah. issues related to yeah, barriers in, in school and different services they might access. So that's that's a big piece of my life. That's where I invest a lot of my time and mental energy. Um, and I really see my clinical work as a social worker and my uh, creative vocation as being kind of like like two pedals on the same bike. Um, hmm. And that's that's been a more recent understanding for me because my okay. world felt really like like fragmented for quite some time. Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned, this like being liberated, this experience, this constant pursuit of wanting to be like liberated to just be the fullest version of me at this stage means, um, yeah, I just see myself as someone who, who values compassion, who wants to humanize every interaction possible. Um, and, yeah, I want my music to have that effect when people listen to it. I want people to feel seen. I want people to feel encouraged and, and capable um, and be able to relate to me and to others around them. And likewise, when I'm doing like a counseling session with somebody, I want them to experience those things, to feel yeah. seen, to feel worthy, to feel that they matter uh, and to have a kind of healing experience. So, yeah. That's that's the stuff that I do <laughs> in terms of, um, yeah, vocation. That's really cool. That's really cool. I'm, I'm, it's neat to see that sort of evolution where you can see those two aspects of, like you said, the two pedals on the same bike. That's a really great image. It's encouraging. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right. That's a good question. All right. The big one. Describe yourself in one word. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. So, so readers, I mean, uh, wow, readers. So, <laughs> listeners, John sent me this question before. I couldn't think of it. I asked my wife Amanda for help. So, the word is passionate. Yeah, and I, I'm using it because I agree. <laughs> when Good. I care about something, um, I I care pretty hard. So, yeah, sticking with That's that. That's good. That's good. And that's been very evident in our conversation so far. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to know how I describe you to other people behind your back? I'm really, I'm really curious to know, man. 
here's here's what I love about Jordan is this it's you you use the word passion which really stands out mm-hmm. but there's a persistence hmm. for presence hmm. and it always gets me now I've I've posted about this online I say like when I'm having a difficult mental health uh, season or time or or even day yeah um, I put on your record timepiece because that is the convergence of those two worlds that you're talking about mm. and I will bring that record up I will bring songs up to uh, at my school where I work or even the place where I worked before where I was um, working with uh, challenged students sort of rubbing shoulders with child and youth counselors and social workers, mm-hmm. uh, edu- educational assistants, like, um, yeah, not as many teachers as the support staff. And I'd be, and I'd say like, I know you might not like hip hop, but man, listen to the song breathe mm. where the bridge has everyone do this mindful circular breathing <laughs> in a hip hop song. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That sort of integration. Thank you, man. And then, and I like, I do that myself. And I think, like, there's so many cool songs on that record, but Be Still, I actually, how do I say this? I actually don't listen to the whole song hmm. because the first line says, shh, quiet. Tell me what you hear now. And then there's just silence hmm. for another measure. And then you say, are you here now? Yeah. And I go, all right, am I locked in yet? Hmm. And then I actually don't need the rest of the song. I do, the- <laughs> I do this with records. I do this with albums where I'm like, if you, if you hit a high, if you hit a high on a record so high, on an mm-hmm. like, album so high that I'm just like in the, uh, I've lost it. I'm in cloud nine. And I'm like, thank you for the rest of your record, but I will not need it. I do not need track six through 10 because track five oh, was man. so dope and I never get past it. I'm so glad I, I buried that song at like number, I think yeah, it's number seven. Number seven. Number seven. Because if that was the intro track, man, we wouldn't be having this conversation no, right now. No, it would be, I'd be, yeah, I like that song you did. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you so much for acknowledging that. That means a lot to me, man. Yeah, and we've had those conversations too. Um, and again, where you push me into presence. Mm. And so it's just like persistence. And it is gentle. It's not aggressive. Mm-hmm. But the insistence is there. Mm. And I've always appreciated it. Now, you know, and, and we have this in conversation, but I think that shows me that you are an advocate for that in people. Hmm. And so, you know, if you're passionate and you're persistent about presence, I also think that you really care. Hmm. Uh, and some, and sometimes you pursue. Um, I'm, I guess I'm doing alliteration on purpose now, but... Um, <laughs> Roll with it, man. But yeah, that, that's... There's, you know, there's a, I, there's a reason that you're on, on the podcast. Um, but I, I, I have asked the listeners to trust me as I curate these conversations because mm-hmm. of the people I think that they need to hear from. Mm. Um, and so it is a, it's a treat to have you here. 
with your uh, persistent, passionate presence. Thank you. I'm really, I'm really affirmed and encouraged okay. by your words, brother. Good. Um, all right. So the question I ask, because everyone's got a story, and I forget a large percentage of them. Mm-hmm. Where did we meet? Okay, so I'm sure this is the case for a lot of um, guests that you'll be having on, where it's like, you know, there was a moment when you first met, but it's just mm-hmm. been so many different meaningful interactions over such a right. large span of time that it's like, wait, when did like we actually forge a relationship? So the first interaction that I am aware of, um, I was in high school. I don't even know what grade I was in. Was that 10 or 11? Lord knows. Um, this was like 2008, 2000. Yeah, I think it was 2008. Man, I'm sorry. I'm dating myself here, but as okay. a baby, mind you. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I was part of our high school's green team, which was our like uh, environmental learning and action club. So me and my boy Gerard um, and a few other of our peers, we, along with the green team, went on this field trip, well, if you can call it that, went on a trip to another school in the area where there was, I guess it was like a student's conference about environmental awareness and issues and stuff like that. Um, There was a bunch of different seminars and workshops and things. Anyway, all I remember is that at this event at this big students conference um somebody named john corbin who was a teacher at this school um that we were visiting i'd never heard of the dude but he was giving a workshop um i don't even know what it was about was it was it about recycling or something like that i know exactly what it was about (laughs) you gotta you gotta fill in the gaps so it it was a student-led conference yeah and uh, in the school that where I worked was a very high achieving school, so the students were very driven. Uh-huh. If it's two thousand and eight, it's probably my second year of teaching. Okay, wow. So I'm integrating myself into the culture of the school and just trying to, you know, get my feet wet mm-hmm. uh, as a teacher. And so they, the students, asked me for some kind of contribution. Um, and so I gave them, like like I normally do, the names right. of people that they can connect with um, because I like making those connections. And of so I course. gave them the name of an artist that uh, had done some work with a Ontario town in creating a song around green initiatives. There we go. And I thought he would be perfect to bring in to like share the song and talk about you know the connection between the arts and, and the environment. Uh-huh. And who, so who I was said, that? Which artist was that? I, I can't say. Ah, uh, okay. I can't right. say. Because, right. <laughs> because they wound up bailing on All the right. event we'll the night before the event. Dang. So I get an email the night before. <laughs> And that's why I can't say because it's all because it's all love, but it put me in a position. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's still incriminating. It, that's okay. It's yeah. definitely all love, no hard feelings. <laughs> um, but I got this email, and he said he couldn't come, mm-hmm. and so I had a decision to make. And so I decided to 
do the the workshop myself. Okay. So that night and the next morning, I put together a presentation wow. around the idea of music environmentalism, and basically did it on the spot, uh, two or three times, however many sessions there were. So the guy that you saw up there had no intention of being up there. That's crazy. It was not planned to be up there, <laughs> but you know, I like music and. And I was able to make some connections, and uh, I even threw some, I even threw some hip hop in it. Yeah, uh, you did a verse, some, right? Uh, I don't remember if I did a verse. I definitely played uh, Syntaxa Terrifics, okay. one of his verses from from Deep Space Five. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I connected. I, wow. You know, c- connected as much as I could, but that was like, it's a cool story for me because it because you know it tests your metal. And your creative mm-hmm. energy, yeah, um, and wow. you know, yeah, the limits, the limits do help with the creativity. But yeah, I was not supposed to be up there, and I probably <laughs> had less than twelve hours to prepare. I had no idea the context oh, behind that. I just remember this this cool teacher, black dude, sharing some really great insight and talking about his musical career. And you you name dropped that you you had worked with Shad, and me and my boy Gerard were both like hip hop heads, and we were mm-hmm. huge Shad fans. So we we're like, what? This guy works with Shad? That's crazy! So then after you gave your your presentation, we came up and I just gave you daps and said, yo, thanks for the presentation. And I think I asked where I could find your music. Um, and after that, I remember. I don't know if I got in touch right away, but I definitely looked you up online. Um, I listened to a couple of your tracks. I can't remember what you had. I can't remember what I listened to, but I just remember starting to follow your music online. Um, And I saw like, I think it was a video that you did for like for Urban Excursions or something like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so I was just following you for, for some time. And then when I had some music that I was working on, cause this is like, I started rapping in 2009. So I wasn't even yeah. rapping at that point when we met. Okay. Um, yeah. I remember sending you, I think whether it was a video or a demo track or something and just being like, Hey man, like I'm following your music. I met you at this thing at the school and I just, I, appreciate your inspiration so check this out and then from there we were not in touch like frequently but we had contact um and over the years as i became more active with my music um i think we would just we would speak more and fast forward a few years after that you kind of took on a real a real big brother mentor role for me um, in in life and in creativity. I remember you really coaching me in my in my rap career, my rap skills, like giving me prompts to write verses based on like a Bible verse or or start with the first lyrics, like start with the opening line of another hip hop song that I like and take it from there. I just remember a lot of like, like weekly or biweekly writing exercises that you would give me that really helped me to, um, just stretch my, my writing ability. Um, 
And fast forward some more years, <laughs> uh, you joined the, the Lost and Found team, which was our, well, I mean, we're still, we still Lost and Found family, although it's, it's changed shape a little bit. But at that mm-hmm. time, uh, the record label Lost and Found consisted of myself, uh, Jeremy Rodney Hall, Mark Dirksen, Jermaine Wall as our manager, DJ. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of years of really building together deeply just as as friends, as brothers, and as collaborators. So you've had a, a huge impact on my life, man. When I think about mm. my, my inner circle or like somebody who I would call if I'm um, having a bad day or want to share exciting news, um, yeah, you're often one of the first people that I reach out to. So it's much deeper than music now. Dang. Yeah. Man, thank you for sharing that story. There's a bunch of stuff in there that i a lot. don't remember like the writing prompts and that you don't like, remember that stuff no i don't remember <laughs> it at all wow oh man that's so funny i was like yeah. yo this guy's investing so much of his life <laughs> and energy into discipling me <laughs> in my rap career and you're like what i did what that's well yeah i mean it's all like it's all true and it's all it was all love <laughs> i just don't remember it yeah um the uh i'm i'm really glad i remember the the first i probably listened to it more than you do Mm -hmm. um the mixtape a thousand words oh my gosh wow i i struggled to listen to that yeah (laughs) it's that second guessing part oh man wow yeah see uh i'm i'm uh, pulling it up on my itunes right now wow Um, yeah, I I love I love 2011. Um hmm. uh so so if I had my way I would get you to redo that record. Wow. Because yeah, cuz I like I love the first records. I don't like listening to my first record either. Like <laughs> let's let's be clear. Let's be That's really great. clear. Yeah. Cuz you can hear the stuff that um you can hear the stuff that you could do better. Of course. But I also think that there are some real highs on that record. Like when I like I can I can go back and listen to it and and not pick it apart and be like, yo, okay. There's mm. there's there's something there. Like it's like I enjoyed listening to that. Mm. Um but in this season for me, where we have all been overloaded and and the impact on me is words have been hard to come by. It's been hard for, really hard for me to write. Yeah, I've been going back to that stuff and going, and, and just investing in it, providing it some care, you know, mm-hmm. remixing stuff. Right. And when when I I hear the potential in though in a thousand words, and I go, oh man, let me just give him some new beats. Wow. And just rewrap them and like just see how far you've come. Because a lot of times when I was like rap verses from my for earlier stuff, mm-hmm. I would I would pause and have a little less criticism and just be like this actually makes sense it Mm. sounds good like i've always been you know those 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 inner voices or that inner dialogue where you're like you know your 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 rhyme schemes aren't as good as such and such Mm -hmm. and and you know you're always going to be catching up to so and so Mm -hmm. and then you look at it and go man i was doing you know double rhyme schemes back in like 2010 like i had only been Mm -hmm. rapping for like three four years like where's that come from like you just kind of 
I, I, that's how I feel about that record where I'm like, hmm. I think you would be impressed and other people would be impressed if you did that record again. Wow. So at the beginning, I was talking about the second guessing part, mm-hmm. the anxious part of me that's like, oh man, is there any quality, any value to like what I'm saying? That part is just anxious, bro. Am I that's, making you anxious right now? No. You're really <laughs> doing the opposite. You're really soothing that part. Good. By affirming the value of that work that I did um, 10 years ago, which is hard for me to listen to because I experience shame when I listen to it. Because mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I put this out. What? I was off beat here. I was like rapping way too slow on this track. Oh my gosh, that's the rhyme scheme I used. What? So there's just a deep like self-criticism that happens for me when I listen to sometimes, oftentimes, when I listen to older creative works of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you're doing by just like highlighting what you appreciate about that project, it's it's helping me tap into a kind of self-compassion. Hmm. It's helping me to look at myself my 10 years ago self who wrote that (laughs) um with greater appreciation for yeah like i'm curious now to go back and listen not as a critic of like what i could do better but as like yo like what did i have to say like what was my writing process like Mm -hmm. um how do i feel listening to this music i'm curious now Whereas before I would have just been content, like five minutes ago, I would have been content never listening to that again because of the shame. So, right. yo, thanks for helping me tap into that. You're welcome. I, You know, um, when I got into hip hop um, at Laurier, I remember sitting around, you know, talking with, with the heads, not really knowing anything. And they were schooling me. Actually, they were talking about Illmatic by Nas. Mm-hmm from 94 and they were talking about this and that and this aspect and that I didn't know anything about the record Mm -hmm. um but as I got into the genre I understood that Nas for a long time was always chasing that record right and there is a lot you know there's been a lot of ink spilt about the first record and the sophomore slump and of course um, you know but Rarely, when I rarely was the finger pointed at the industry for the ways that they created the sophomore slump. Yeah, but it did also make it also affirm in me the value of those early writings. Mm-hmm. Like, if you listen to a, a brief word, my first record, you're gonna hear all of my heart mm. in ways that in ways that only manifest itself further the more I go along. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear songs about race. You're going to hear songs about spiritual healing. You're going to hear songs about or being mixed race, looking within myself, self-care, mm-hmm. uh, marriage, like, you know, love and hip hop, yeah. justice. Like, that's not, it, that's not me. Like, has that not been, you know, mm-hmm. the rest of my music for the, <laughs> the rest of my career? Like, those seeds are there early. Yeah. And so it's like sometimes sometimes someone does an amazing first record and sometimes like there's room to grow. Mm-hmm. But 
there's so much there's so many seeds in the first in the first one i just have been thinking a lot more about what would it be like to revive that stuff with love mm. let me let me tell this quick story this is a lot of where it's come get from get it get it um some some of the people in my life have been able to do the same thing for me point back to certain records like the live record that came after a brief word and then mm -hmm. i listen to that all the time i'm like what hmm. we did that in one take <laughs> we we didn't we didn't uh we they're supposed to be multi-tracked we didn't get it it wasn't multi-tracked it was like their it was their fault like it was one take mixed on the fly and that's oh, yeah. the record and you're and you're listening to that um and so and so that that kind of does that spark for me um my daughter got me a when i first got a record player my daughter got me a vinyl mm -hmm. um by an Albertan country singer named Corb Lund, hmm. who I like own a song of. Hmm. And I'm just like, where does this come from? My kids, the first year I got turntables, they bought me random records. Hmm. And some of them I, you know, listened to and then it's like, you know, thank you very much. And, you know, <laughs> they made their way to the thrift store. Um, but some of them stuck around. And Corb Lund is, it sparked me because the cover art was all about like why we're doing this it's like hmm. it was it was it was corb lund it was old corb lund songs done in a studio live off the floor hmm. and that's like when i was really into rock music that's like my favorite way to record rock music or like listen to right. get everyone together played off in the studio and then i went and did that with the palind live the palindrome record hmm. But I've been sitting with this record for like two, three years going, I wonder what it would be like to take my old songs, get a band, go back into the studio. What would it sound like? Oh. Would I have more, like, not even more love for it, but like, would it have value? Would it be? And I'm like, I've slowly started to believe, yeah, I would. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued because it's a few minutes ago you, you mentioned how hard it is for you to listen to your own uh, first record. Mm -hmm. yet i'm also hearing that there's there's this appreciation and like a um yeah curiosity about what it would be like to revive them that sounds really dope well you know if the stuff if the music reflects your passion yeah then i'm you know then you're reminded of it mm -hmm. right what 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 makes your heart beat yeah right it's in there so mm. i'm sorry you know if if you know other folks might think it's whack but i at least I did that, right? Mm -hmm. It's maybe this sort of dual nature of it. Do I still believe the words I say? Right. Can yeah. I, Can like, how cool is it that 2007, 14 years later, I'd still believe in like 95% of those words? Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. And so it actually reminds me of, you know, the, the conversation we're having about like nurturing these parts of yourself. Yeah. So like these creative expressions that become these little you little children that you've birthed like how can i like how can i bring that thing close mm. and like see it for what it is and like you know pr either provide it comfort or provide myself comfort mm -hmm. or let it speak to me again about who i am and where i was in those moments the stories that came out in those moments and not just consider their deficiencies mm, that's brilliant yeah that's, that's like self-care for right artists. <laughs> yeah, truly. Because 
I mean, we all know, and it's familiar language to think of art as a reflection of the artist, obviously, right? So mm-hmm. it's interesting how sometimes the a certain amount of time passes or some critique of that art happens. Um, and we may begin to view it with, with contempt. Yeah. But it's like, that's, that's a reflection of you. Like that came out of your heart. And I'm speaking this to myself right now. Um, yeah, I think it can be really healing to, it's really meaningful to go back into the archives and listen to old creations or, or if, you're an artist with a different medium. Watch your first film. Watch, look at your first painting and just notice what comes up for you. Like what feelings come up towards that piece of art. Um, yeah, I, I think it's telling. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I will say that the offer stands that if you ever wanted to rewrap those words, I got, I got a bunch of beats for you all right love to see what that looks like give me uh yeah give me some time to to listen back through it and and you might have yourself a deal man (laughs) Woo! yeah broker and deals on the john (laughs) corbin podcast (laughs) that's what this show's about right yeah Yeah. that's what it's about (laughs) i always tell people i got into music for the demos Mm. that's what do you mean by that i got that I all I ever want to hear is people's demos. <laughs> that's just it. just it's the like, rawest, realest version. That's it, man. Yeah, the potential of what might be. Mm. There, I, I had a record as a teenager called the Jesus Record by Rich Mullins and the Ragamuffin Band, um, and it was a unique record because it was written by Rich and then he died. Mm. Um, and so then the Ragamuffin Band did took all those demos. And went into the studio and, and cut the studio record. Wow. And uh, they released it as a double disc. And uh, the first one is the demos that he recorded, um, just playing guitar, playing piano. Mm. And then the, the second one is the studio one. And uh, I never got around to the studio one. Hmm. I only listened to the demos. I, the, 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 the demos just caught me. Huh. It's like that's the rawest thing. That's the realest thing. It's him. It was him in a church just singing. Wow. And like, I remember those days when I had, you know, when I had time and could find an open space or a rehearsal space or the church where I used to go, like, um, just to go and play and be present. And, mm-hmm. and you know, to me, so much music is so much about connecting with God. Hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I just never the shine and the polish that they put on it yeah never caught me the same way right yeah yeah that that so, makes sense yeah i just like listening to demos <laughs> that's where the magic lives man <laughs> So I have guests on this show come with a story. Um, the the overarching themes for me uh, in in considering this work are themes of creativity, uh, inspiration, community, and uh, and learning. And so I ask folks to think about stories, whether we've collaborated or 
you know, stories they want to tell that connect to one or many of those themes. Um, so it works well when I've known someone as long as Jordan, but I do not know what story is coming. What story would you like to tell us today? I would like to tell the story of Just Love. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's so, great. <laughs> um, I believe it was end of April or beginning of May 2019. Mm-hmm. When <laughs> so world, a, a lot has happened since <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah, <laughs> it was a different era of life. Um, we received a message. I think it was directly from uh, from our homeboy, Mr. Mark Dirksen, who you can catch on a previous episode of the John Corbin podcast. <laughs> um, and he had basically relayed an invitation to us um, for an opportunity to facilitate a workshop at his church in Toronto. They were looking... Um, to facilitate uh, a conversation, an information session about restorative justice. Um, yeah. Their church, I believe, had just uh, relocated or, or opened a new campus right in downtown Toronto, whereas its previous location was a little bit more uh, away from the downtown core and be a little bit more suburban. And so their congregation was encountering uh, people, situations, that were a little bit maybe, from their perspective, off-putting or uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. Seeing people who are, who are street-involved around, seeing people panhandling. Um, yeah, experiencing, <laughs> seeing sirens and cop cars in this neighborhood and just seeing some things that they might not have seen in their previous neighborhood. So, wanted to create some space for people to... Um, yeah, just understand how to be with their neighbor in a compassionate, justice-oriented way, um, as opposed to what we can all be tempted towards, which is a way of uh, just feeling uncomfortable, mm-hmm. a, a way of, of being, I don't know if this is a word, but uncurious about the experience of the other. So... Um, you and myself, John, we accepted the offer to facilitate this conversation um, with us both having different but complementary experiences and, and education related to um, restorative justice, related to reconciliation, related to uh, working with people at the margins of society. So we put together this workshop, and I, I remember feeling anxious, as that second-guessing part of me usually does with a big opportunity. Uh, <laughs> just feeling anxious about, okay, what are we going to say? Am I qualified enough to speak on this subject? Even though, um, yeah, at that point in time, I was just working, actually, as a counselor with men in the criminal justice system, living in uh, a residential facility. Anyways. Um, I remember us just having a lot of conversations to talk about, yeah, how can we, what do we want to share? Um, what's the heart that we want to share? Um, what's our goal with this? How can we incorporate, this is in a, in a church setting, so how can we really um, ground this in like a, a spiritual Jesus-shaped lens? I remember coming over to your house 
on a Saturday morning. Um, and yeah, like drafting our PowerPoint presentation and just just building. Uh, it was a really beautiful experience of putting it all together. We put together a, a pilot presentation, invited a bunch of friends and family, folks from our inner circles to come and um, see our first workshop, give their feedback on it. We took that, built it into our presentation, and then did a run of, was it three or four more dates? I can't remember. Three, yeah. We did the, the beta in August, and then September, October, November. Yeah. And it was a beautiful experience, um, welcoming people who were, I mean, it was being hosted at, our, at my church. Um, but we saw people from all over the GTA, um, mm-hmm. from different faith lenses, different background or involvement with the justice system, different level of uh, awareness <laughs> around what restorative justice is, and just had some really uh, enriching conversations about, yeah, what it means to humanize um the experiences that people have when harm is done to a person or in a community, uh, what it means to ask questions about context, about the role of uh, racism and mental health and trauma on situations where harm is done. Yeah, it, it was it was an experience I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, for so many reasons, so many of the stories that people shared during that time um, and hearing a lot of the feedback, which was for my second guessing part, affirming <laughs> to know that people were, were blessed by those conversations. Um, and it was really cool just to see this workshop birthed from just an opportunity that we hadn't necessarily sought out, but it was this kind of point of intersection between my world and your world, drawing from your work in the education system. Uh, and mine in the mental health world, what I learned about myself from that experience was how important it is for me to tend to that that anxious second guessing part of myself um, who feels you know uncertain about uh, if I am able to speak on any given subject, even if it's square within my experience in education. Um, that looming thought of there's got to be somebody who knows more about this subject or who can do a better job or who won't be as as nervous and anxious as I am. And I don't know if that part of me, again, ever goes away, but having that experience of doing the workshop and receiving people's feedback, <laughs> uh, both positive and, and constructive, was just a reminder that it's okay for me to um, it's okay for me to speak. It's okay for me to um, step out in a format other than rapping bars <laughs> and and trust that there's value to what I have to say, to what I have to to offer to others, and that it's okay if sometimes it doesn't land. Um, yeah. 
Another piece I would highlight that I learned from that experience about creativity and collaboration is that collaboration is best when it's grounded in relationship. I really yeah. feel like the experience of working on that together uh, with you in a space where we could uh, just bounce ideas back and forth, uh, just chill in your living room and really know one another, get to know each other's thought processes more deeply. Um, yeah, it was really rich. It was really rich. It's so great to hear that story and hear your perspective. Um, so when we did the, the first one in Toronto, we drove in separately from the suburbs and mm -hmm. so we drove back and you called me on the way home, like almost immediately. <laughs> mm -hmm. You were so excited. <laughs> like, like I could see, you know, I talk about sparks. Like I could see it. I could like the fire was, <laughs> was, was a flame. It was a blaze. You're just like, you had said something like, you know, like, this is my passion or this no, you said something like this is like i want to do this mm -hmm. like i want to do a more more of these mm -hmm. and like and i had i had enough of a rational thought like a or left enough of a rational perspective to say yeah we could do more of these <laughs> and i was pulling from a story that that continues to inspire me from W. Kamau Bell. The um, he's a TV host now, but he started as a comedian, podcaster. He's written a book. He, um, you know, I've I've been fascinated by his journey because, as a comedian, you know, his first record was a mishmash of ideas, um, and he hadn't you know he hadn't found his voice, or he would admit mm -hmm. that. You know, I enjoy his first record, but you know, there's like silly jokes and yeah. jokes that you know, jokes that don't age well, and <laughs> and at the same time, talking about race and talking about it very intelligently. And he realized that he couldn't get into the race and politics conversations the way he wanted to on a stand-up stage, mm. and so he rented a black box theater uh, in the Bay Area where he um, was. Uh, staying and once a month he went and did this show called the w kamau bell curve ending racism in about an hour mm. it's a great title obviously uh drew people um and he wanted to have the conversation on race and politics on his terms and after four months it had developed so much and he had you know input on it every time and um had a i think he had a director hmm. and and it it morphed into the show that wound up getting him booked at colleges all across america wow. and then um then chris rock came to see the show and liked it so much that uh, th that the two of them worked on getting him a TV show. Oh wow! I had no idea that was the background. Um, 
And then the TV show didn't, I was on FX. It didn't last for more than a year. And that was pretty crushing. And then he wound up getting a show on CNN. And now he's on season five of the United Shades of America. Hmm. And so it's just, it's been a real cool journey to follow, but it's all around this, you know, for him, the approach was, if I was famous, what kind of art would I do? Mm. If I didn't have to grind it out, if I could just make the thing I wanted to make, what would I make? And that's how the, the bell curve came about. Right. And it's really opened my eyes to the thoughts of loose loosening the boundaries of what I think art can be. Mm. Uh, and I gravitate to stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, every, everyone loves the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Of course. Um, I also hold in, in high regard uh, the Unplugged album. Okay. Because she rap, she's singing and rapping with a guitar. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, so you can do that. Hmm. And do I have the boldness to do that thing that is mine? Right. And no one else's. Did you purposely and, just say that thing? <laughs> I did not. All right, that was, that was dope. I like that. We're gonna take we're gonna take a minute and just sing. <laughs> <laughs> I am curious, if I may ask, mm-hmm. how does that um how does that influence your creative process? That thought about like anything goes. When I when I made after I made my first record, I'm like, okay, I don't want to do another one like that again. Uh, in I what way? Uh, and especially in terms of process. Okay. I want to have a different process. I want to, um, I want to try stuff that I hadn't tried before. I want to set the bar out of my reach. Right. And then work until I can get there. Mm. Um, and so every one, every one of them has been different. Um, Mm. yeah, every one of them I did live with the round two EP. I did, uh, uh, live recording and merging instruments with uh, with the beats, and then I did a uh, all collaborations EP and like mm. with a with one producer and just like bought a bunch of beats and then like s- set about collaborating with as many people as possible. And then I worked with like folk singers mm. and and turned it, like you know and we made an EP. We didn't make a record like we thought we were going to, but. Um, like uh, live instrumentation, but with like a folk tinge, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, a, a, a group with the uh, with the custodians, where I'm mentoring younger artists, and I'm like playing the executive producer. Like I'm always like trying to set that bar higher. Right. So now, now the projects are like th- that. That hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, and every time you have that nervousness and anxiety of how daunting this feels right but that's that's where the growth happens for me yeah it feels like it would be more unfamiliar every time if yeah if the goal if the desire is to break out of the box each time it's like wait what what other boxes exist (laughs) yeah it sounds like you've taken so many different approaches but that is uh it sounds exciting at the same time. 
It definitely is for me and sort of keeps me engaged. I mean, you have as part of, you know, when I joined Lost and Found first as a creative um, director in 2016 and then as a signed artist in 2017, like our songwriting took a leap in that in that point as a team. Like we learned a lot about songwriting and, mm. you know, we're better for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I worked on the Everyday album and, and you know, like there is a batch of songs, a batch of beats sitting there with choruses and mm-hmm. like that next album is ready to go. Wow. But it's too much like the last one. Uh, okay. Yeah. And I caught writer's block. And that's not the only reason why, but I'm thankful for it, even though I was mad frustrated. Because like I've written the hooks and the beats and everything sitting right there. Mm-hmm. Just, but I can't finalize this. Right. And I'm thankful that that's happened now because over time, the ideas have uh, morphed and, and changed and merged and evolved. And now there's now there's stuff that's really exciting mm-hmm. and the music's still good. Mm. That That's me. And, and then I guess then, you know, in this decade coming up, my ideas are, have expanded outside of music. That's the other thing where it's like, Okay, so now can I take this to the written word? Can I take it to public speaking? Can I take it to the stage? What can right. I do? To a virtual yeah, so that... stage right now. <laughs> yeah, the virtual stage indeed. Um so so the the Kamal Bell thing, I was like I've always wanted to do that. What what would a John Corbin show look like in a black box theater? Mm. Hopefully this decade we'll get to find out. Hmm. But when you told me that th- what, about like how I want to do more of these, I was like, "Oh, we could do that," and mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking of. Mm. Um, we we definitely could. Uh, and I, that's that's you know I was feeling very like matter of fact and resolved. All right, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to do such and such. We're going to get people around us, and uh, and we're going to uh, present it to them and get feedback, and then we're going to find a venue and we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And it evolved into something really cool because you said like it happened at your church, but they like they sponsored it. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. Like we got we got a very nice venue that uh, <laughs> that would cost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but they because they saw something in it, um, they they uh, they put their money they they backed they backed it mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Um, with some significant resources that um, that really helped it make. It really took the burden off of us to help us put together um, a really engaging evening. Yeah, majorly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I like what you talked about, the merging of education, because for me, I felt like my role was um, working on the teaching side. How do we teach? How do we organize this night yes. in, in, in a flow that's going to take people from point A to point B uh, in a way that allows them to process everything that uh, they need to process. And uh, it wound up being, what, two hours or two and a half hours? It was thing? It was two hours, and we always ran out of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the conversation was so rich. Um, and then the beautiful part was we would be able to stick around and just connect with people more one-on-one afterwards. That's where I felt alive. Yeah. And 
I don't know if I've ever, I ever shared that with you, but I go home and tell my wife, like, yo, mm. I had this conversation after the thing, hmm. and I've, I have some new friends now hmm. from that thing, and, like, connecting with people, I've even, like, had, like, you know, sort of spontaneous words of wisdom for people just in the moment, like, mm. hearing hearing their story and being like, yo, I, you know, I respond to this, um, in some kind of giving way. Like, like it was, it would actually amaze me because the way that you were geeking out driving home from Toronto about like the content and bringing people to this. And I was like, um, I had that same reaction about meeting people and, um, and, and having connection. And I was like, that's actually a lot of, Mm-hmm. why i enjoy teaching yes yes absolutely you create these conditions where you are able to provide knowledge but you're doing it in an interactive and collaborative setting if you're doing it properly mm-hmm. and so you know for us to be able to run a workshop where we would give them questions and have them talk about it and then share and facilitate and just trust that the room would open up in um in a positive in a positive way or positive direction mm-hmm. because when we're talking about you know uh, criminality uh you know we you know we would check we would gently check people on the use of the word criminal yeah right as a labeling tool and the and the um connotations that came with that and the social realities that would come with that mm-hmm. so we would sort of you know we were gently eroding that uh label and thought out of out of people's mind at the, at the very, very least. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, minds that you could step on yeah. in conversations like that in large groups. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, every time the trust that we put in people, um, the conversation was really rich mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't uh, one note. It was varied and we were able to work through stuff and yeah, yeah just a, a really an emotionally enriching time. Yeah. 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 It was, yeah, it was truly a gift to be able to experience that together. And again, highlights for me, um, the value of doing it in relationship. Yeah. Cause without having a sense of, uh, of, of safety in that space, without having a sense of uh, it's okay to be in process and to maybe confess some things, some, some beliefs, some viewpoints that people were holding, some hurts that people were holding. Um, yeah, without the safety to do that, it, it wouldn't have been what it was. And I really feel like um, the safety and the relationship that you and I displayed while facilitating that really contributed to creating that atmosphere for people. So I'm grateful for that. Hmm. That's a, that's a good word. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. I, I really like the way you illuminate that. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? Like that leadership in that sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was really, that's a, a fond memory. Yeah. Uh, my my hope was for t- 2020 to be able to take that further and obviously things changed mm-hmm. so i i hold it now as 
um, a fond memory, uh, a, a recognition of the work that we did, mm-hmm. and with some hope of, um, with some hope of of being able to share that further in some way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for bringing that story. My pleasure. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, we're gonna come back with my story here on the John Corbin podcast. Hey, yo, my lady and I got married on March 7th. What better way to start than survive a pandemic? The honeymoon is coming soon, but can't sweat it. Till then, we take PayPal, wire, and hands of it, y'all. But real talk, life is anything but the norm. These cats wildin' on anti-vaxxer discussion forums. Oxymoronic, how we all together all alone. Stuck at home, hopping online to find love and warmth. Playoffs, graduations, and weddings give way to chaos, isolation, recession. We grieving losses and fighting major depression. Keeping cautious, finding ways of progressing. Gotta eat on less, feeling beyond stress. Like the lineups for the ER and EI checks. All the fear of in the media that we digest. Welcome back to the John Corbin Podcast. I'm here with my guest, Origin, a.k.a. Jordan Haywood. It's now time for my story. Are you ready, Jordan? I'm so ready. <laughs> All right. This story occurred just a few months ago hmm. at the end at the end of 2020 now you mentioned that uh, we were part of a lost and found family uh, used to be a record label it um, sort of it, the business side of that dissolved and we moved into an artist collective where uh, you know you, you, yourself myself and Mark Dirksen worked to support each other along with our uh, extended family yeah. of collaborators yes sir. and one of the things that has remained from the label setup was the communication through Slack. So, um, you know, we meet monthly. Uh, we talk about stuff we're, we're working on, talk about things we're going through in life, support each other. It's been a really great partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, we collaborate together. Um, but also we're kind of like the first people to hear the new stuff. Yeah. And we hold even that second guessing or that, um, uh, we hold that second guessing or that insecurity when like, yeah, I don't know if this is anything. Can I share it with you guys? And then the folks like, whoa, this is great. Um, and, and, uh, it's what usually happens because, you know, we're all pretty good at making music and stuff. (laughs) Um, so demos are going around all the time. Again, I live for the demos. So, uh, it's it was a quiet year for you, yeah. Artistically, yeah, man. I I didn't release anything except okay, that's not true. I released one track, and that was one uh, single. Yeah, yeah. I released "Distance," which was um, produced by you, and it's was a just, banger. It, it's a really fun track, man. <laughs> I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, no chorus, just straight bars reflecting on the experience of social distancing and Mm -hmm. just shifting life into what we now know at the time of recording as normal in this global pandemic. Um, Yeah, a lot of people were putting out tracks at that time. So I thought, you know what? Yeah, I want to put out a track to kind of like what I was speaking about before, put out a track to help people feel like you're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all going through this. It's hard. Let's just normalize this. Um, 
and also offer some words of encouragement and hope. So that that was the purpose with that one. Um, and it was a hard year. You mentioned earlier yeah. that it it's been hard for you to to write as much lately. You you've been revisiting older material. Um, likewise, it's been a it's been a real challenge for me to find not only the creative uh, energy, but man, just physically, psychologically, the days are full. I'm working from home, doing everything from home. Um, yeah, the the space and the desire to sit down and yo, let's write a track. It's just it's just not there. It's not there. How it was some time ago, and even on the regular, I'm not somebody who produces and writes tracks very frequently. I'm already by default <laughs> in normal conditions a slow cooker <laughs> uh, as a creative. So all the more. Uh, this year, my mind has just been in different spaces. Um, yeah, so I decided to run with an inspiration, uh, a song idea that came to me one evening in the shower. You know, sometimes you're just like singing some random melodies and it was just like, boom, and it it stuck to me. And then I sent this demo and I'll let you pick it up from here. Thanks for letting me drive <laughs> for the last couple, couple yeah, kilometers. Yeah, uh, I want to uh, I want to uh, put it in reverse for one second, like like uh, the the distance song mm-hmm. is phenomenal. So your response, like you said, it's been a, it was a slow year for you in terms of in terms of creation, definitely for me too, um, in terms of writing. But I've been trying to find outlets um, because the pressure has been so high uh, in in my life. Mm-hmm. So. I've been making beats and started making beat tapes. Uh, I had one, I did one in the winter time um, called Still Winter. And then mm-hmm. a couple like within the pandemic, nothing is normal and keep moving forward. And Man, they're so good. They are so good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that I just had to do something. And so then, you know, distance came up uh, from you doing a writing workshop. Yeah with some young people and you needed a beat. Yeah. That was just for my job. We were doing a mental health workshop with some youth and wanted to create um, a space for them to creatively express what they were going through. Um, Put it down in words as like a journaling exercise, but something that they could uh, have some fun with. Yeah. Kind of creative, a little bit of self-care going on for some of our youth who are into um yeah writing and, and music so yeah i hollered at john and said yo can you can you toss me just some some random spare beat that you got if you got anything yeah. that's just kicking around we'll yeah. use that for the so, workshop you graciously offered it up so i don't have anything kicking around <laughs> um, I, i've i've so heard shad crude, yeah yeah <laughs> i've heard shad say uh you know, he if he has got twelve tracks on an album, he's writing twelve tracks. Yeah. Um, I basically make stuff, and if I like it, then I'll use it, and if I don't, then I throw it away. I don't like to have stuff sitting there. Mm. Um, I actually just, you know, we're recording third week of January. On the weekend, I went through my twenty twenty project folder and deleted the stuff that I 
that's not hitting right now. Wow. Um, I'm going to trust that I've got more creativity <laughs> and keep the faucet on, which I've talked to you about. And that's yeah. kind of my, my motto when it comes to teaching creative creativity to young, young kids. Mm-hmm. It's like, if I'm freestyling, like in the shower, um, I used to be like, Oh yeah, I got to remember that. That's really good. Mm-hmm. And then I would ruin the rest of my shower. Cause I'm just trying to remember these eight bars that mm-hmm. I just wrote. And I'm like, well, if they're good, they'll stick. But otherwise, like, just let it go. Hmm. So it takes a lot of so, faith. Oh yeah, I remember just wanting to leap into that, um, and it just made for a more free flowing time. Like, I'm creative. I will continue to create. Why yeah. do I have to be stingy with it? Yeah, that's good. So I remember like putting on a baseball game and making a beat on a Sunday afternoon just with my kids buzzing around and um and that's that's what i did because yeah i don't have i don't have stuff <laughs> kicking around I, I make it and so i put i put some care into it and mm-hmm. maybe more than you would expect for like a beat for a writer's workshop um, yeah yeah certainly <laughs> it was masterful everybody was wilding out they didn't want to well, write to it because they didn't want to corrupt this perfect <laughs> piece of art. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, but actually, though, everybody went buck wild when they heard the beat. That's uh, dope. Yeah, that's dope. And that, yeah, I think you sent a video to me about like of some people listening. How's that? That, yeah, that made me feel good. My coworker Curtis, shout out to Curtis. So, so again, that same thing. Like again, why be stingy? That's a good beat. I could probably rap on it. Um, but no, that's yours. So you take it and do with it. And then you got sparked and started mm-hmm. and we're like, you okay if I write to this? I'm like, absolutely. I gave it to you. And then came out with, <clears throat> for me, a masterful verse. Um, and that, that speaks to what we're going through and also provides like spiritual perspective, mm. um, which was highly, highly necessary because it wasn't just about like you and your situation, but it was about like, you know, you know, where is God? Where is God? God's with the hurting. Well, we got hurting right now. Like you just brought the community and the world to our ears to say, pay attention. You care so much about these people stocking your groceries. Remember that they don't have a living wage. Mm. Right. And, and, and it, you know, it, it was that, that kind of vibe or that. Yeah. And I just, I love it. Mm-hmm. So my like, so your one song in 2020 um, has done a lot for me. Mm. And then I guess if it's okay to say this, like has just continued to elevate m- my respect for you as an artist. Mm. Um, that's okay to say, brother. <laughs> it was, I'm not going to ask where the respect level was at before. That's, but that's you know, why I hesitate to say but it. But it's right? all up. <laughs> it was already high. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. So like you would already, you know, you would already bless me in 2020. Um mm. but for sure. Um on a personal level, you know, another reason that you know, it's been a quiet year for you artistically is you got married in March. I did. I did. And we were able to, you know, this was before the world shut down but just narrowly. Bro, the Saturday before everything <laughs> shut down. If our wedding was one week later, it would have looked very different. Yeah. 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 Grateful. 
Um, and it was a it was a great time. Um, I, that means a and, lot because I know you carry a rubric to rate, bro. How great weddings are, so bro, bro. There's, there's <laughs> no wedding more fun than my own wedding. And yours, oh, yours, I think yours was the I think yours was the closest. That's yo. That's saying a lot. <laughs> I just want to say for the audience that when we got to the reception, there were donuts. <laughs> Big donuts. Just sitting there. And we're like, can we take these donuts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a I win. I love it. I love that that's uh, the we, highlight. <laughs> it caught me off guard. Get me some big craft donuts. That's I'm a great. happy guy. That's great. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I was able to celebrate with you in that in that mm-hmm. way. So, so our converse, like you know, lost and found. Our conversations are happening month monthly. We're hearing demos all the time. We're hearing long range plans and ideas. And then you know, it's a quiet year for you. And then all of a sudden comes this celebration, and you and. You were singing at the beginning, and I think the demo, there weren't a lot of hugs at the countdown. That that's pretty consistent, right? You that that came out pretty quick. Yeah, and it's it's pretty consistent to what the final version of the song yeah, is. Yes, identical. Yeah, and so, and so you know we we have gotten used to you singing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you are used to it yet. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's gonna take some time. Yeah. You've you've done you've done some uh, some dope songs with with singing uh, singing the lead, Thanks, uh, and I I feel your anxiety certainly um, <laughs> on that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then and then the beat drops, and it's just this like you know very familiar breakbeat vibe, and it's it's just like you know, this ba-boom, bap, ba-boom, boom, bap, and you're just singing celebration. And that's when, once that drum, once those drums hit, I was hooked. Mm. Um, you know, I, I caught, I caught what you said about the song and essentially, if, you know, once you listen to the song, folks, you'll recognize, but um, the, the tune is this, Again, this is written, you know, the the end of the year, but we haven't hit New Year's yet, and it's this picture of the New Year's New Year's the twenty twenty New Year celebration. Mm-hmm. Technically, twenty twenty one, but you know, the transition from yes, one to the, the transition. That 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 moment that that night. What does it look like in a pandemic? And so it's it requires this uh, this requires this imagination, right, to create that imagery. And to do that right off the bat, there's no intro to the song. It's just him coming up and singing. There weren't a lot of hugs at the countdown, but we sure had champagne. Uh, help me with the next line, Times Square in, in 4K, 4K and surround and, sound, but yeah. it just ain't the same. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh shoot, I'm looking at this like I'm picturing this desolate <laughs> New York City <laughs> landscape where uh, you know, there's nobody there. <laughs> Um, and we're all at home, like watching it on TV, and like trying to approximate what that was, and and how that can be really somber, mm-hmm. right? But also a form of celebration, nonetheless. Yeah, 
And that's where you take us. So you have this imagery right off the bat and it sticks with me so well. And then and then move into the pre, pre-chorus, I guess. It says, we're still here, we're alive, and we're not forsaken. And that's reason enough for a celebration. Mm-hmm. And I go, man, if this isn't poignant, like, I, I'm sure I'd love albums from you, mm-hmm. but, you know, if you give me those two songs in 2020, <laughs> um, like, I'm healthy and happy. Mm. I would say that, uh, just in terms words. of my my musical you know, palette. Mm. Um, I, I, I feel I feel very well fed by you oh. in 2020. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I like those words, man. I'm glad. And so the demo for me was it. But, you know, and now I understand your second guessing nature and, and you, you hummed and hawed on it a little bit and can I do it and can I do it in enough time? And, um, you know, you... you when when we target these special days, I remember you did a song, um, you know, on Valentine's Day about uh, being single. Yeah, back um, in 2017. Yeah, what was the name of that joint? Uh, that was Waiting Game. Waiting Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and you know, we we tend to drive these songs towards s- certain events. Um, and I'm like, well, this. Yeah, you got to get this out before 2020 is over, but this song's going to last. Mm. Even in ways that people don't don't think. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, through our dialogue, you know, with Lost and Found on Slack, we're kind of like, yeah, you know, I think you should do this. And that launched you into several weeks of like trying to, put it all together can you like explain a little bit about how it all went down it was a it was a panicked effort i'm not gonna lie to you man (laughs) so i i'm trying to remember when the inspiration hit it was like mid to late november maybe like november 18th 20th or something like that when the song idea first happened um and I, i came out the shower and hopped on Ableton and just started like recording um, demo tracks, like demo layers of my vocals and the kind of harmony, the kind of melody I would want. I, I beatboxed the kind of rhythm I wanted, the drum pattern. I was looking through different drum samples that I had, put together the most like rough, rough scratch version of the track that same night. As soon as the melody and those opening words, there weren't a lot of hugs at the countdown. We sure had champagne. Something, something, something just ain't the same. And I had the celebration part too. Didn't have all the words in between, but that was it. Had a rough production, had the opening lyrics and melody. And then I just came back to it day after day. The song wouldn't leave me alone. (laughs) And so I had a strong sense saying, okay, like if I'm going to get this out, and at this point it's like, November 27th, right? Mm -hmm. We were moving on December 5th. So we're packing (laughs) up our house. (laughs) We got things to do. We're super busy. We're both still working. (laughs) So, yeah, there's a lot happening in in life. Um, Didn't really have the luxury of, of space. I mean... I guess when I'm talking to you, I always have some sense of luxury because <laughs> there's less less humans in the space. Less, anyway. 
my cat can take care of himself, you know. But um, it was stressful to carve out the time, lose some sleep in the evenings to work on the song, to sit with it and try to write out uh, a verse and then a second verse. But it was so, man, when I say that collaboration grounded in relationship is so fruitful can be so fruitful it is no joke having a call with you and mark saying hey guys like let's put put the beat on loop let's all listen to it at the same time open up a, a google doc at the same time and just jot down some ideas what direction do you think i could go with this uh what are some things that you would want to highlight in a song that was covering some of the like major events of the past year. Um, and if I, I always have this problem, I say everything I want to say in a song in 16 bars in one verse. So <laughs> when it comes to writing verse twos, I always get stuck. So it was Mark's suggestion. Hey, what if you use your second verse or some part of the song to talk about the celebration that was your wedding this past year. Right. Um, And I wasn't sure how I was going to tie that in, but I held that idea for a few more days until I was really just sitting with it and, and it fit. So yeah, that collaborative process was huge in terms of my writing and just fitting the ideas together. When I write, it's kind of like, um, hmm. It's kind of like when you're cooking and you grab all the ingredients and put them all on the counter first, and then you add them all together as you're cooking rather than grabbing one at a time. So for me, hearing you guys input and coming up with my own ideas or writing like, okay, here's, here's four bars, here's two bars. I don't know where this is all going to fit yet, but it's all on the counter. And then I need to sit down for maybe two, three, four hours sometimes and fit it all together and add it all in and find Hmm. a home for every section, for every idea and cross it off the, the margins of the page as it, as I place it in sequence. That's what my writing process is like. You guys helped majorly with that. Um, next step was me just, sequencing the production and working on just fine-tuning it a little bit more. I don't produce a lot of my own music, so it really was a stretch and a a healthy challenge for me to work on producing this one. I also don't sing that often on my tracks, (laughs) which you mentioned. Um, I do believe that... I believe I have a good voice. I believe I have a, a talent for that. It's not as refined as I... Uh, okay. I, w- I would like to further develop that skill, I should say. Uh, but I believe my voice sounds good. And I appreciate the affirmation of people telling me that. Anyways. <laughs> Word. So I felt like, okay, I, I also wanted my voice to to carry it because it's kind of me telling the narrative. At the same time, I felt, okay, you know what? I think it will just drive this further and not be... <laughs> Not be a distraction for people who are like, who are singers like that, if I can have somebody back me up on this. So I gave a call to the homie Aubrey Narona, incredible, incredible 
uh, musician. Incredible dude, too. Incredible man. human being. Yeah. Um, shout out to Aubrey. Shout out to Aubrey. Big love to Aubrey. So he was pleased to hop on that. He found some time one evening after work, after putting his kids to bed, to record the uh, the backup vocals that you hear on the track. And I really love I really love me some horns on a on a track. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always have just like the texture of of getting like a brass section, but I've never had that. Never had a live brass section on a on a song of mine. And it just this song in particular just felt like it could use that. Um, I don't know what gave me that sensing, but I decided to give a shout to my dude Gareth Inkster. Who I went to high school with, and we've been homies from time. And his style of music is very different. He's kind of like, oh man, I don't even know how to categorize. Kind of like alt rock, sometimes a little more folky. Um, but he, he's a gifted multi instrumentalist. Plays guitar, piano, drums, trumpet. So gave him a shout. Asked him if he would be able to add a layer of trump or a few layers rather of trumpet to the track he killed it really just elevated the energy and the feel the celebratory feel of uh of the song and the final piece of this whole project was and at this point i'm trying to get this thing out and and ready to go before the end of the year at this point we're at like december 15th 16th something like that it's about to <laughs> be christmas <laughs> yeah and i'm in conversation with uh the big homie xavier sorrow who is from phoenix arizona he's an artist and he is a video uh and a videographer video editor so yeah i was in conversation with him around supporting to to edit a video um so Amanda, my wife and I, we were able to shoot some footage at home on the couch with some help from my mom and my brother. And yeah, shot it over, sent everything over to Xavier. He cut it all together just in the nick of time. And we ended up with a really dope, really fun video uh, with clips um, featuring cameos from some different friends and family members folks from our our different personal circles and i i heard a rumor that um somebody who looks just like you john was in the video it's true yeah and i showed it to my class oh did you yeah oh. i did they said they said you're famous <laughs> i'm yeah. glad i could be your ticket to fame <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so very unique stressful anxiety provoking <laughs> process of getting that song produced finished released just in time in order to um have it out at that moment for uh for new years but i'm super grateful for all of the hands that were part of the process super grateful for just just what it is i love the song i feel really good about it um yeah that's the story. That's a great story. Thanks, man. Um, it's uh, like I said, 
I actually remember telling my students before the break, I'm like, you got, you like follow this guy because this song's going to be really important. Mm. And, you know, throughout this school year, I've been teaching virtually and I have no, I have no nonverbal communication with my students. Hmm. If we are in the classroom, I can see whether you don't get it. I can see right. whether you don't care. I can see whether you are so stressed with the weight of the world that you're not even hearing what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I can act accordingly. Yeah. But I don't have any of that. Um, and so I've had to drive the bus a lot in terms of sort of content and or contact mm-hmm. and communication and um, just mindset yeah. stuff. Now I'm 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 not in the greatest mindset this uh, this year. Um, it's been a heavy season, but I do know that I have had more practice in gratitude mm. than um, maybe some other folks. And mm. that there's a lar- larger story with that uh, the, around having triplets mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and the sort of day to day. They're here and alive, <laughs> uh, and not forsaken. Uh, and that that has really pushed me towards gratitude. Um, mm. I have to save that story for another time. But having that practice is um, is is something that I've been able to bring to class just a bit. We have this thing called um, "What's Good Wednesdays." Nice. And uh, we we check in, we check in every day, answer a random question. It's usually something that provokes, you know, intense discussion, like uh, which is the best fast food chain or Mm. what kind of donut is the best donut. And um, (laughs) the arguments get intense. Um, But on Wednesdays, I say, you know, what is making you smile? That's good. Like what's really good? And it can be big or small. And so that's been... That's been fun. That's that puts a it puts a positive, um, it it creates a positive air if you can say that in a in a virtual space where mm-hmm. you don't see how people are, are are doing. Yeah. Um, it's been good to do that, and so it was meaningful for me to hear this song about about all of it about acknowledging uh, acknowledging loss, acknowledging what you miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, you know, in terms of a musical vibe, just an incredible uh, bed to lie in that, that um, makes you feel very warm and comforted. And mm. um, again, that presence, <clears throat> we're still here. And it, it gives you, it, you know, the song, the song just evokes all of this, all these memories of what's, what's happened this year. And... And just this then quick perspective of that we are here, that we are struggling, sur- surviving, mm-hmm. fighting, still moving forward. Um, yeah, it meant it meant a lot to me. I think that you know I I sort of passed you the ball, and and you know my story is is you telling about how this song came together. But mm-hmm. one of the things I love about music is watching this stuff come together. Yeah, yeah, and I could tell those stories for days and I want to, I want to hear them too. Right. I think they're uh, creative and inspiring for people. And, and then in this additional layer, 
I I think the song is is creative and inspiring and um mm. yeah I've 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 been brought to the present um mm. because of that tune and and every time I listen to it and so I want to thank you thank you for making it and mm. thank you for um that that fight with the creative limits on that is the stressful thing and mm-hmm. and I I believed it since I heard the demo mm-hmm. that the song's going to live mm. um, it's 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 gonna it's 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 gonna have a life yeah you contributed to its life man (laughs) seriously by believing in it and by being actively like part of the creative process so you're welcome and also thank you (laughs) for yeah thank you for being part of that process and and helping it to to make it out into the world say word Mm mm-hmm uh, I'm so glad. All right, Origin. If people want to connect with you on the web or check out your music, where can we send them? Y'all can uh, find my music on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you stream your tunes uh, at Origin, O-R-I-J-I-N, because in the words of Decisive, rappers can't spell. Uh, Very true. Yeah. You can also follow me on Instagram at and Twitter at the real origin again that's origin with a J and uh, in my other wearing my other hat you can check out my counseling practice um, and that's a a partnership between myself and my wife Amanda we're called enliven counseling services if you check out enliven CS like counseling services.ca. That's what's up. That's a big new venture for you. It is. Um, we have been managing our, our own practice for coming up on a year and a half now. And we both have about four, coming up on five years of experience specifically doing psychotherapy. But we've just chosen to go a little bit more public with the work that we're doing as we're just seeing mm-hmm. such a need for it. And uh, trying to create a little more space in our own lives to be able to... Um, to dedicate to, to serving people in this way, to offering the service. So we're out here. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Origin. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It has been so, so good. And I expected nothing less than, <laughs> than a gift connecting with you, brother. Thanks for having me. Word. All right. See you soon. See ya. We're in a lot Peace. of hugs at the countdown. We sure had champagne. Times Square in 4K and surround sound It just ain't the same I guess it's time for new traditions I miss my auntie's laughter in the kitchen The comedy and drama of the family affair Didn't gather round the table but for grace we say a prayer like We're still here, we're alive and we're not forsaken And that's reason enough for a celebration For a celebration a celebration, a celebration, a celebration. I see 
the world is divided, but I'm still in one piece. Better acquainted with silence and a feeling of grief. I'm getting daily reminders that life we're living is brief. Congratulations for making it by the skin of our teeth. They say whatever don't kill you makes you wiser and stronger. I don't know if I buy it, y'all. I'm just tired and somber. We lost Gianna and Mama, plus the king of Wakanda. Too many neighbors to name, but we couldn't visit the honor. Some people raising the ruckus and complain on the net, while others slaving for ducats only to stay in the tent. I know these times are not easy and the pain is intense, but I still got some good reasons to be grateful for breath. I'm praising Jesus for refuge, calls to nieces and nephews, and nostalgic sitcoms with the seasonal specials. For work at home in pajamas and for warmth in the night. For black joy in the struggle and those who join in the fight. Cause yo, we're still here, we're alive, and we're not forsaken. And that's reason enough for a celebration. For a celebration. A celebration. A celebration. A celebration. Yeah, we threw a heck of a party. All our friends in the crowd, there was a whole lot of hugging. Two rings and some vows. We didn't know what was coming. But when I think of it now, we saw the end of an era. At the beginning of ours. Yo, we were caught by surprise. Had to go with the flow. But all this quality time has helped the both of us grow. So this is an ode to everybody steady holding some hope. Raise a glass, I'm proposing a toast. Hey! We're still here, we're alive, and we're not forsaken. And that's reason enough for a celebration. For a celebration, a celebration, a celebration, a celebration. For a celebration, we're still here, we're alive, and we're not forsaken. A celebration, there's reason enough for celebration.